Okay, good evening. We're glad that you're uh, here uh, to listen uh, to the word of the Lord. And that's what we're here to do is to proclaim the word of God, the Bible. And uh, we hope that our study will be profitable and beneficial. Uh, last month, I was invited to speak down uh, at the Sycamore Congregation. It's in kind of the rural area of Boyle County, just outside of uh, Danville, Kentucky. And uh, they had a different, uh, they had different speakers, and, and they had assigned topics. And kind of the preaching theme was answering difficult questions of life. And one of the topics, I had like actually three topics that Sunday morning, but one of the topics was, uh, what does it mean to walk by faith? What does it mean to walk by faith? And so I thought, uh, uh, well, I kind of like the, the, the thoughts uh, uh, of that uh, question, and, and so I thought that would be what we would present tonight, is answer that question. What does it mean to walk by faith? Well, that, of course, comes from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, where Paul says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So, what, what, what do you mean? Well, first off, let's just look at that verse and some of the words there. Paul says, we walk by faith. Now, when you walk, walk is a series of steps. If you take a step, that's not walking. It's like when little Gertie, the granddaughter, youngest granddaughter, when she gets a little bit bigger and she'll take a step, you don't say she's walking, we'll just say she's, oh, she takes a step. She, she took a step. But when she takes a series of steps, then we'll say, oh, yeah, she's starting to walk. And so when we walk by faith, it's a whole series of steps that we do. All right, so we walk by faith. Now, faith is believing, trusting, having confidence. And so Paul says we take these series of steps in life walking by faith. That is, we're having confidence, we're trusting, we're believing in God, we're believing in Him uh, who is unseen. Paul says we walk by faith and not by sight. That is, to walk by sight would mean the idea of uh, we have to understand. Paul says, no, we don't have to understand. We don't have to see. We don't have to comprehend. We don't, we have, to, we don't, we don't have to understand the how or the, the, the when and what exactly is going to happen. No, we're accepting that by faith. We're walking by faith and not by sight. That's what Paul is affirming in this passage. Now, when we talk about walking by faith, now it's not some blind leap of faith that we just jump into it. And, and uh, No, we have plenty of evidence when we talk about an intelligent uh, creator that made all things, the eternal creator, that is God. That would make sense. It, it's like any, any number of things that you see here, right? This microphone, right? We, you know, people created it. We look at this computer, right? Somebody created this. Uh, here's a little remote control. Well, somebody made that. We don't have to have seen the people that made the remote control, made the computer, made the microphone. We look at the, the items itself, and it gives evidence of an intelligent creator that is a group of men, or could be just a man, but men made these items. They just didn't happen by some sort of cosmic accident. We look at the world that we live in and we say, well, yeah, there had to be an intelligent creator. I mean, the, the design argues for a designer, and that, of course, is God. And so we have lots of, lots of evidence for that when we look at uh, uh, creation itself. Now, sometimes people make, make fun of the idea of, of uh, having faith and, oh, no, I only go by empirical evidence. Empirical evidence is what, you know, what you smell, what you taste, what you touch, what you see, what you hear with your ears, you know, through your five senses. Uh, but really, that, that's not true. We do lots of things by faith. 
like for instance, we get in our car and we go somewhere. We're accepting by faith that the brakes are going to work. And we accept by faith the car is going to start. We accept by faith that the steering mechanism is going to work. I mean, do we get under a car and we check under there and look at all the brake lines, be sure there's no holes or tears in the brake lines? I remember when I was uh, young, uh, well, before I, uh, a few years, a couple of years before I was married, I was driving my little car and I was going through the subdivision. And anyway, I was coming up to the intersection to pull out on Gilmore Lane. And it was like I pushed the brake pedal and went all the way to the floor. Whoa, that was scary. Fortunately, I'm just putting along maybe 10 miles an hour. And so I turned off the ignition and used the clutch and, and the gear system and came to a stop. And then, you know, babied my car back to the house. Well, the, the, the flexible hose on the front steering had finally got a hole in it. And so when you push the brake, the brake fluid was squirting out. That's why the brakes quit working. But I don't, I don't check my brakes every time I hop in the car. Except by faith because they were working well. Now, there's always the possibility something goes wrong, but you, you accept it by faith that they're, they're okay. I mean, you're going to head down the highway 55 miles an hour. You're going to get on the interstate and head heading down uh, Interstate 75 at 70, 70 miles an hour. So you're trusting, believing that your brakes are going to be fully functional. Or you're driving on the crooked roads of Kentucky, and you're, you're, you're sure that the steering mechanism and the tie rods and all that is going to be functioning okay. We, we accept those things by faith. I mean, we, don't, we could... Empirically, look at all those components and touch them and uh, you know pull on them and check them, but no, we accept things by faith. We do that in everyday life, and so it is that we accept what uh, God has uh, told us and the evidence of of His workings in the universe. And when we when we accept things by faith, we don't have to we don't have to see we don't have to understand. Exactly how that's going to come to pass. Let me just give an illustration. There in James chapter 1, James, he talks about trials and tribulations and various uh, uh, problems that come our way that, you know, we're to uh, maintain our faith and confidence in God and it's going to uh, help produce patience and steadfastness in us. And then in view of that, James says in verse 5, if any, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of a sea, driven, uh, driven with the wind, and tossed. For let not a man think that he shall receive anything, a double-minded man, double man is unstable in all his ways. Now, James says, I had in the view of trials and tribulations, you know, there are things that we need to learn. We need to uh, do the right thing. Well, maybe we don't, all right, we're trusting in God, but how should I act? Well, James says, hey, ask for wisdom. God's going to give you that wisdom. He's going to give it liberally, and he's going to give it without reproach. He's not going to badmouth you and, oh, why are you asking that? No, but we've got to ask in faith. Now, here's the thing about we walk with faith and not Messiah. We understand the promise. God's going to give us the wisdom. That's what it says. He's going to give it to us liberally. That's what it says. Somebody says, well, how's God going to do that? And what way is he going to do that? And exactly when, he's going, when is he going to give us that wisdom? We don't have to know that. That's what it means to walk by sight. We don't have to know that. God's going to answer that because he says that he'll give us wisdom. He'll give us the understanding of how we ought to uh, handle various situations and trials in life. 
And that's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, there are any number of ways that God could do that. It might be, well, we read an article somewhere. Maybe we read a particular verse or a Bible story. It's like, oh, yeah, now, yeah, I'm, you know, understanding, enlightenment's coming, wisdom's coming to my mind. It's like God's helping me. It might be that you're talking with somebody. It might be in God's providence there's somebody that's gone through the same circumstance in their life and you just happen to get talking to them or somebody finds out and you're conversing with them. Yeah, you know, I had, well, I didn't know that. And so they just help you big time because the wisdom that they had gained, they share. But that would be God answering that and giving you that wisdom through somebody else. And so that's, that's the whole point that we need to see, that we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, what we want to do is just look at some various examples and the great chapter of faith. Uh, and there are various uh, variabilities in Hebrews chapter 11 of some of these examples we want to look at. Uh, of how people walk by faith. And that's what we want to look at now for the rest of our lesson. All right, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Let's talk about Abel. By faith, Abel offered, uh, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by the which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, yet speaks. Now, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Well, he was walking by faith. We know Romans 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, what God told him to do and how to do it, we don't have all the details, but we know whatever he did, he was, he was going by faith. That is, this is what God said. All right, I'm going to do what God says. If God said this is the way to do it, this is the attitude to Cain was do, uh, uh, Abel was doing that. It was a more excellent sacrifice. Now, Cain was offering a sacrifice, but it wasn't exactly what God wanted or the way that God wanted it. He could have. I mean, you go back and look at that story there in Genesis chapter 4. But you see, Abel was walking by faith. That's what we have to do. We have to walk by faith, trusting in God, not trusting in our wisdom, not trusting in our own insight or what it seems to me or, or this is the way I've got it figured. No, we just listen to what God asked us to do, and we do it. That's what we're talking about, walking by faith. When it comes to worship, we walk by faith. Let's drop on down in the text, number seven. Here's another great example of somebody walking by faith. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved by fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned, uh, condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. So we think about Noah and all that he did, the grand task. I mean, you go back there into the book of Genesis uh, chapter 6 and God sees all the wickedness and he's determined he's going to destroy the world. And he tells Noah to make this great big ark. I mean, 300 cubits, almost 500 feet long, huh? Haven't been, I'm hoping to get up maybe next month, uh, go with uh, Luke and Tiffany and the grandkids uh, to go see Noah's Ark, uh, that is the uh, Noah exhibit, which is kind of uh, in the basic dimensions of Noah's Ark. It is big, it's humongous. And just to see it with your own eyes, uh, the, the, the vastness of it, uh, of, uh, you know, it, it'll be, I've seen pictures, but really things like that's always better to see in real life uh, of the whole perspective of it. But it was a tremendous task. 
of Noah building this ark and building out a gopher wood and then gathering up all the animals and gathering all the food supplies and all these things. Now, some suggest, I'm not sure, it, it does talk about in the Garden of Eden that it had not rained because there was a mist that watered the garden. Some suggest it had not rained till the days of Noah. I don't know. Might be. But one thing for sure, there hadn't been some world flood that had taken place before. I mean, you're not going to go based upon past uh, experience. Yeah, you remember, you know, 30, 30 dec uh, three decades ago or, or 10 years ago, that, that world flood that came. So that had never happened. And yet he believed what God said. And that's what it means to walk by faith. He didn't have to see it. He didn't have to be explained how God was going to do that. God didn't have to explain to him, yeah, it's going to rain 40 days, 49. Yeah, he's going to break open the, the fountains of the deep. He just says, you prepare an ark. He's building this ark out here in the middle of uh, dry land. I mean, you know, you, you look at shipbuilding, they always do it near, you know, generally the ocean or, or some big river where then the, the boat can just be released right down into the water. Or they'll build kind of like a dam and then flood it back uh, uh, when it's time to go with that boat. But hey, you don't have anything to that. Uh, I talked about that. But Noah's out there building this ark out there in the middle of uh, dry land because he believed what God said. That's what it means to walk by faith every day. And all the people that could have made fun of him, fun of him and would have made fun of him, he didn't pay no mind to that. He just kept trusting in God. He didn't have to see how God was going to do this or exactly when God was going to do this. He was just busy about doing God's will. That's what it means to walk by faith. Then let's look at Abraham. Here's another interesting story, a little bit different circumstances, but what it means to walk by faith. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should later receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing where he went. That's kind of interesting. God calls Abraham out, Ur of the, Chaldea, uh, the Chaldeans. Now, could you imagine Abraham going in, talking to his wife? Hey, Sarah, honey, we're moving. Oh, yeah, where are we moving? Well, I don't know. Do you know how far it is? Well, I'm not sure about that. Do you know the name of the place? Don't have no idea. God just calls us, and we need to pack up and get ready to go. I mean... That's walking by faith. Walking by sight would be, you know, you get your map out. And you map it out. You know, like, like when I plan to go places. And like I, I like going to visit national parks. You know, I like to get my maps out. And study about how far it will be from the airport. Get in my mind, you know, how much time that's going to take to get to, to this national park. And, and the places that you can see. And, and maybe there's like two or three parks uh, especially the parks out west and you know the great distances out there and so you got to calculate all those things and you're studying the maps and you're looking at places and, and you're trying to find where there's going to be congregations at so you can worship while you're out on vacation and you're figuring all this stuff well that's walking by sight Abraham he's walking by faith being called to go to a place he's never seen don't even know where it is God's going to show it to him but he's just trusting in the Lord. And he's going to let God take care of those things, you know, step by step as it comes along. Uh, because he's walking by faith. Well, let's look at another example. Drop on down in Hebrews chapter 11. Look down there beginning in verse 24 about Moses. Verse 24. 
By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a time, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked for the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. We think about Moses. Boy, what, what an interesting character. You know, when he was a baby, Pharaoh had sent out the command to kill all the, all the baby boys because he didn't want a mighty army from the Israelites. And Moses' parents, you know, they saved him by putting you know, put him in the little basket. And Pharaoh's daughter happens to see him, has compassion. And so, uh, well... It's always interesting. Miriam's kind of laying back and, and uh, the Pharaoh's daughter, oh, this is one of the Hebrew kids and she has compassion. She wants to take him. And then uh, Miriam's, uh, uh, the, the sister, the older sister of Miriam, oh, yeah, you want me to get one of the Hebrews to help you nurse this kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Moses, he learns from his mom really about God and then he's trained in Egyptian wisdom and he's counted as Pharaoh's son. But, you know, there comes a time that he has to make some choices. Now, when you are related to royalty, and these people were rich. I mean, it's so incredible how rich the pharaohs were. I mean, you look at the things that they had. I mean, you think about King Tut and his tomb and like that gold mass that was over his head. I mean... I forget how many pounds. It was like 40, 50 pounds of gold. I mean, how many millions of dollars that would cost just buying the gold, let alone to, to create the mask. And all the things that was found in his tomb and the building of the tomb. I mean, these people were, the riches was incredible. But Moses, he could have chosen to stay in the lifestyle and go with uh, sin and transgression and, and stayed with the Egyptians or he could have cast his lots with the people of God. Well, he cast his lot with the people of God, even though there were problems and afflictions and troubles that came. Why? Because he looked beyond this world into eternity. He looked to the great recompense of reward that's yet to come, you know, off into uh, the future. Because one thing for sure, living on planet Earth, you're not going to be here forever and ever. And all those riches were only going to be temporary. I mean, you get old and you die and you leave it all behind. I mean, the, in, their, in their theology of uh, uh, the Greek, uh, I mean, the, the Egyptian religion, they saved all these things because they thought in the afterlife they would need them, the boats, the, you know, the food, the, the chariots, and all those items. They didn't need them because they, they, were, they were found like thousands of years down the line. But Moses understood that there is something spiritually beyond this world. And he was walking by faith. All right, let's move on down in the text and find another interesting case. Another interesting situation where faith comes into play. Look there in verse 30. It says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled seven days. The walls of Jericho. What a, what a great story. We, we sing the song about the, the walls of Jericho and how they fell down. And we studied it as a child. But it's, it's one of those great Bible stories. 
I mean, here Moses is told, uh, I mean, uh, Joshua is told to, to go and take the people and they would march all the way around the city of Jericho one, one time each day for six days. They were not to say anything. And, you know, that, that, what does that have to do with anything? I mean, if they were like carrying stones and building a ramp where they could make an attack and, and overcome the wall, you know, well, that, that would be walking by sight. You know, well, it seems to me, I mean, this is the way I see it. I mean, this is, this is how we're going we're gonna to assault this place and we're going we're gonna to build these engines of, of war, these battering rams, kind of like in the days of the Romans when they came to Masada. I mean, here it was up on this hill and just steep and... And what the Romans did is like, well, we got plenty of time. You know, it was kind of mop-up uh, mop operations of the, of the uh, Roman-Jewish war. And so they just hauled dirt and rock and slowly built this ramp right up to the walls of Masada. And then they could move the, the, the battering ram up there. And, of course, it had all this protection, and they moved it up there. And, you know, they come... Uh, battering in and, and uh, set, the, set the gates on fire and all this stuff. And ultimately, what happened, the Jews, well, there was like three or four that survived. They hid themselves, but they all commit, committed mass suicide. Now, that logically, if you're walking by sight, well, that wouldn't make sense. Well, the walls of Jericho, no. To walk around once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, walk around seven times and shout with a great shout. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, it has to do with obeying what God says. Because that's, God, that's what God said to do. Well, how's God going to do this? How's all this going to happen? How's this all going to work out? Don't have to understand how it's all going to work out and exactly what's going to take place. Our responsibility is simply, okay, we're going to do what God says. God's going to take care of all these other details of what we think we have to see. We don't have to see that. God is going to take care of that. You see, that's what it means to walk by faith, not by sight. Too often we want to walk by sight. Well, I don't see. You don't have to see. Well, can somebody explain to me? doesn't have to be explained. It didn't have to be explained to Abel why God wanted this worship, these particular sacrifices, and the way that he offered them. That's what God said to do. Noah didn't have to see, well, I don't remember any spectacular major floods going on. And even if it never rained, well, what's the whole idea about a rain? You don't, Noah didn't have to understand all that. He was walking by faith. So it was with Abraham, so it was with Moses, so it was with the Israelites when they marched around the city. Notice on down in verse 33 of Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, again, a different situation, different circumstances of somebody walking by faith. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. That last phrase, stopped the mouths of lions. That would be the story of Daniel in Daniel chapter 6. It's one of those great Bible stories. You have to understand the circumstances. You read Daniel chapter 1. Daniel, as a young man, was one of the first uh, groups that was taken off into Babylonian captivity as a young man. 
I'm guessing somewhere around approximately 15 years old, could be 15 to 18, something, something that, in that time frame, maybe 20, but described as a young man. All right, so that would have been in 606. He lived all the way through the Babylonian captivity, so that's 70 years. If we say that he's 15 or 20, so he would be anywhere from 85 to 90, somewhere in there, living all the way to the Medo-Persian Empire. So here's somebody that's like anywhere from 85, 90, 91 years old, so somewhere in that neighborhood, and uh, he's living during the Medo-Persian Empire. And there was this king named Darius, and he kind of liked Daniel, and uh, he, he was, Daniel was a great guy. You know, he was an older fella, very wise, very comparable, uh, capable type of individual, very dignified kind of, honorable kind of person. And uh, one of the things that was funny about the Medo-Persian Empire, like if they made a law, well, it couldn't be changed. They, they, they just, I don't know, it's kind of, kind of odd, but that's just the way it was. Make a law, it has to be. You can't change it. Now, they can make another law to counteract that, but once the law is made, I mean, okay, that's the way it was. So they come to the king, these wicked men that had it in for Daniel, and, and you, know, they, you know, they butter up to him, and, and they couldn't really figure out anything to accuse Daniel and, and to get him in trouble. They thought, well, we'll get him in trouble with his religion. And so they go, hey, you know, king, you know, you know probably a good idea is that nobody makes any special request to some other god or some other, uh, you know, highfalutin kind of person except you for 30 days. And if they would do, make some sort of request of some other god or some, some highfalutin person except you, well, ought to be throwing the lines in. King thought, well, okay, I guess these are people in his administration. You just assume they uh, have goodwill and, and want to do good things and, and promote the kingdom and whatever. Okay, so sure. And he takes his ring, and, and, and that's that special ring that has the special marking. So when they put the clay or the wax and they squeezed that, it, it had the impression that, hey, this was signed and sealed by the king. So they kind of duped the king into doing that, unknowingly, king, really unknowingly about Daniel and all that comes up. Well, notice there in the book of Daniel, chapter 6 and verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chambers toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He knew the, the conniving, low-down, dirty dog tricks of these people, but it didn't affect him because he's an old man anyway. And what, what difference does it make? He's still going to do the will of God. He wasn't going to be a, afraid of any kind of consequences. He's going to do what God's will is. And his practice was, that is, he would pray to God. And so he did that. Well, then you read on the men that had duped the king. You know, they're very happy to report. And, you know, they were, oh, now, king, you know, you made this decree. And, well, we hate to tell you, but there was somebody in the administration, this guy named Daniel, you know, he's he praying to Jehovah God. And, and, you know, the decree was that that wasn't supposed to take place. And you could probably hear them snickering under their breath and glad and the king, he's really upset about the matter. 
And so in verse 15 it says, Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, o king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians is, that no decree nor statute which the king established may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Uh, that they brought Daniel... Uh, that they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it. And then you read in verse 18, Then the king went uh, to his palace, and he passed the night fasting, neither were there instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep was, uh, went before him. The king is terribly upset. He is so beside himself, and there's nothing he can do to undo this. Daniel had to be. That, that was the law. You couldn't change the law, so they throw him in the lion's den. And he's so upset that night. I mean, you know, sometimes people, you know, you, you, get, you, you turn on the radio, the music, the CD player, or the, your phone, and you kind of listen to music or sounds, and you go off to sleep. Well, he would have live music, and they could play until he goes to sleep, and you know, then they go home. Well, he didn't want that. He couldn't even sleep. He was so perturbed by the whole thing. In verse 19, Then the king arose very early in the morning. Early. And he went uh, in haste. That is, quickly he goes to the den of lions. And he came to the den. And he cried with a lamentable voice. I mean, he's just, he's just so sad. He, and the king says, Daniel, O oh Daniel, servant of the living God, is your God whom you serve continue able to deliver you? And then Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the, uh, the lion's mouths that they should not hurt me. For as much as before him, uh, before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. And the king, he is so glad, verse 23. And he commands to bring Daniel out. And then notice verse 24. And the king commanded that they brought those men which had accused Daniel, these evil, maniacal men. And they cast them into the den of lions and their children and their wives. So their families suffer the consequence of their transgressions. And the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces and ever they came to the bottom of the den. Kind of a lesson just in and of itself of how wicked people, things can come back upon you. But you see, Daniel, he's walking by faith. He's trusting in God. Believing in God. Just doing what he needs to be doing. I mean, we're all going to die. We're all going to die from something. I mean, it would be better dying doing the will of God than disobeying God and still dying outside the will of God. So Daniel, he just went on about his business, doing, what the, thing, doing the thing that was right and good. You see, he was walking by faith. And God intervened by miracle here in protecting him. You see the various circumstances? You see how faith works? You don't have to understand. You don't have to see. That's what Paul said. We walk by faith, not by sight. You don't have to see. You don't have to understand. Just trust in God. God if, if, if it's God's end of, of the deal, let God take care of His end of the deal. What we need to do is take care of our responsibility. We need to work on our end of the responsibility. Right, let's look at one more. Again, a little bit different uh, 
situation, a little bit different circumstances, but again, somebody that walked by faith. You come to the book of Acts chapters 10 and 11. And what this is, is the story of the conversion of Cornelius, the first Gentile convert. And Cornelius, you know, he has this vision, and he calls for Peter, and, and all these things that take place. I mean, it's just divine intervention of what's happening here. And so he sends for Peter, and Peter happens to see this vision of this sheet let down with all these animals, and that was to say that God was going to cleanse uh, all human people in the gospel. And, uh, well, anyway, all these things that take place. And uh, so he goes down and he preaches to Cornelius and his family. He takes these six Jewish brothers with him. Now, you've got to keep in mind, there was kind of this, this animosity, this kind of prejudice between Jews and Gentiles. And so here he's going to go to preach to Gentiles, teaching the Gentiles, and being down there, you know, he probably called out on the carpet. Well, he does in chapter 11. But Peter goes because this was divine action that was in play. And so he goes and the Holy Spirit falls upon them to show and to give proof that, yeah, the Gentiles can be accepted in the gospel. And so that's what happens. In fact, chapter 11, he's called out in the carpet about this matter. And so he goes step by step and you start reading chapter 11. So Peter just step by step exactly what takes place. And then drop on down uh, there in chapter 11. And it says there in verse, uh, verse 15, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how he had said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believe uh, on the Lord Jesus, who was I that I could withstand God? I mean, Peter sees that this was God's doing. Everything was God's doing. Peter, I mean, uh, first off, Cornelius receiving this vision. Well, that was God's doing. Peter seeing this vision uh, of the sheep let down with all these various animals because in the Old Testament there were clean and unclean animals and that he was told to rise, kill, and eat. Well, that was God's doing. When the people came to the house knocking on the door asking for Peter, well, Peter didn't have anything to do with that. Peter goes and he's preaching the gospel and then the Holy Spirit fell upon them as on us at the beginning, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Peter had nothing to do with that. That was God's doing. And so Peter just points out that this was all God's doing. It wasn't anything, you know, that I had done in these events. In verse 18, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. You see, the point is that they, they come to the same conclusion. But Peter, you see, he walked by faith. This was God's doing. He, he perceived that God was calling him to go to teach to these Gentiles, to Cornelius and his family and friends that were gathered there. Regardless of what consequences or what might come, you just do what the will of the Lord is. You don't worry about that. When you're walking by faith, you don't have to walk by sight. And that's what Peter did. And so we look at all these various examples in various situations, people of different ages, different, different uh, circumstances, and, and events that take place. And in every single case, they were people that were walking by faith. 
And that's what we've got to do. We've got to be a people that walk by faith and not by sight. And so these are just really just tremendous stories, just tremendous examples to show us how to walk by faith. Well, shall we bow as we go to God in a word of prayer? <clears throat> our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word. We thank you that uh, we can walk by faith and we have so many great examples for us and uh, these biblical principles to help us to understand what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. And help us to always just trust in you that we don't have to rely upon our understanding and uh, whether we see it or we don't see it, it doesn't make any difference. Help us just to do your will and to be the kind of people that walk by faith and whatever circumstance and whatever event that happens in life, help us to just keep trusting in you. Uh, thank you for Jesus who came and died on the cross. Thank you for your creation. Thank you for your word, the Bible, that gives us all this great uh, information, this great wisdom, this great understanding that we can follow in the steps of these uh, great examples of faith that we study about here this evening. Just thank you for all good blessings. Thank you for our country. Thank you for all our food and clothes and every provision for us. Help us to know, help us to always trust and know that you will always take care of us if we'll just seek, uh, seek you first and uh, your kingdom and your righteousness. Thank you for all blessings. Forgive us as we forgive others. For we ask all these blessings and favors in Christ's name. Amen.